This is the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide, episode number two. Welcome to Advanced Base Camp. Our intention is that you go to a completely another level of life, of leadership, of intentionality, and we're really just your guides. That's all we are. We're just Sherpas. Hello, welcome to the Liberator Podcast. My name is Jeremy Kubitschek. I'm the co-founder of Giant Worldwide. I'm here with the other co-founder, Steve Cockrum from London, England. Steve, how are you today? I'm doing very well, Jeremy. I'm very frustrated. I've just come out of makeup and just found it's a podcast, not a TV interview. So anyway, there we go. Now, yeah. let's talk about the makeup. Is this? I know when you go to the, the Virgin uh, Atlantic um, Sky Club, Mm-hmm. You get a facial. Do you Always. get makeup with as as well? You have to pay extra for that. But I had my colours done yesterday. Okay, <laughs> just so you know. So I'm a cool summer, and you're going to be seeing a whole new wardrobe coming my way because apparently pastel shades of pink, lilac, and yellow are what I need to offset my eyes and my grey hair. So there you go. You heard it here first. I, that's that's really interesting. And so back to the Liberator podcast. Let me clarify: this is a leadership podcast, and Good. I need to really make sure that we're clear on that. Um, but thank you for that feedback. Love it. All right. So um, hey, we've got a lot in the can. A lot of things we're working on. Let's just give a quick summary of like where were you last week? What did you do last week? I was in uh, Bucharest, Romania working with, and this is you're going to tell me off again, I had 20 young ladies from one company um, who I worked with for four consecutive days and they're basically the people we're training to roll out all of what Giant does inside um, one of our large clients. So it was just me and 20 of the cleverest, most beautiful Central European women and uh, obviously I had a terrible time. You'd have hated it. (laughs) Which now it totally makes sense of where pastel Colors, uh, yeah, makeup, absolutely. yeah, interesting. Absolutely, I've uh, got a whole new foundation arranged as well. If you're interested, but that was another story. Conversely, last week I was in Manly, Ohio, <laughs> and Pennsylvania, going through rural um, places, meeting with leaders. I was speaking in Shippensburg University in in uh, Shippensburg, Pennsylvania, and I had to drive all night um, through this snowstorm in the Appalachian wow. Mountains to get to Pittsburgh. And let's just say it was a few tense moments um, with some some uh, large trucks driving next to me. And I'm not, not that good a driver at the best of times. So I imagine we'd snow and Then I was in Canton, Ohio, uh, ne- next to the uh, uh, Pro F- Football Hall of Fame. So while mm-hmm. you're working on your colors, um, I was dealing with the NFL. So good. There you go. Well, um, we're going to talk about some things today. Let's let's get into it. Uh, what are we going to talk about, Steve? What's the topic of our of our conversation today? We're going to talk about something called the power of self-awareness, and um, basically a number of our simple little axioms that we've been able to use. And we know for those of you listening, that these are things you can kind of follow us through. So we're going to talk about know yourself to lead yourself. We're going to talk about being interested before being interesting. Something we call the boomerang effect. And we're going to talk about inhibition versus prohibition. So you'll get an idea of how far through uh, the podcast we are by which topic we're dealing with. But self-awareness is such a huge issue uh, for leaders, for all of us. And uh, know yourself to lead yourself has become a very significant axiom for us, Jeremy, hasn't it? So why don't, why don't you share a little bit more on that one for you? Because you obviously had a lot of issues with self-awareness when I first met you. <laughs> Wow, this is great. This is going to be a fun podcast. 
I'm going to be liberated uh, today, I think, in, in by my, my business partner. So know yourself to lead yourself. Here's the big aha. Most people don't know themselves. I think that's the most interesting thing. The more work that we do around the globe and working with leaders, you realize, oh my goodness, you don't see it, do you? You're not aware of these things. And so this whole idea of knowing yourself is really central. So we've actually created a tool uh, that is a visual tool with some common language that takes the process of knowing yourself to help you understand what your tendencies are under mm -hmm. pressure. Uh, what do you what do you tend to do when you get frustrated? What do you tend to do when you get embarrassed? What do you tend to do when someone feels like uh, they're taking control? And what patterns then get created? And those patterns are natural things that all of us deal with that lead to actions. So sometimes uh, an action or a reaction by someone creates a reaction by myself, which is a pattern that leads to an action that leads to a consequence. And I'll give an example here in a minute. And that consequence always leads to a new reality. So um, knowing yourself to lead yourself is really paramount because if you want to be a leader worth following, then you actually have to lead yourself out of your tendencies and your patterns. So uh, how do you describe that, Steve, from that, that process? Well, I usually tell a story that makes me look very foolish, so I, I will, um, if you'll indulge me, I'll, I'll explain how this one came for me. So, I always like to hear foolish stories from you. There you go. Great. So this one, um, this one goes back to um, when I was very young, not the mature, educated, self-aware leadership guru you see before you today. And apparently, my, my one new wife, Helen, came to me and she said, Steve, you have a tendency. And she's like, I said, well, what is it? She said, whenever you go into a room, you always look for the most interesting, attractive people and anyone who can add to the sum of your knowledge and expertise, and then you focus your attention on them and ignore everyone else. And if there's no one who fits that particular criteria, you then provoke an argument just for the sheer fun of intellectual jousting, and then if there's nobody there you deem worthy enough to be your intellectual uh, competitor, you basically leave, you fall asleep, or just be rude. And of course, being the the self-aware defensive leader that I was, I said, I think you're wrong. And she said, um, no, you weren't, and you did it with the last gathering of my extended family. And she said, if you have any desire for any physical intimacy with me in the future of our relationship, this is a tendency and pattern of behavior that needs to change. So, <laughs> and so and I, well, there you go. And I said, well, I still think you're wrong. And she said, well, I knew you'd say that, so here's the challenge. Go and ask three of the friends choose three of your best friends, go and ask them whether this is true and whether they see the same tendency and pattern, um, and then you can make a decision. So I said, right, I will. So I went off to the three people and said, Helen reckons when I go into a room, I do this, and every single one of them said, absolutely, we've laughed about it for years, we've always watched you do it. So that was one of those ones for me where I suddenly realized, wow, here's a, a tendency that I was unaware of. I didn't know, I wasn't trying to do it that had created a pattern that everyone else had recognized, and that was shaping my actions. <clears throat> and the consequences, of course, were that people used to smile at me, but I was probably undermining my influence. And I made a plan in the end, because here's the thing you have to realize is, your tendencies don't change. Your tendencies are controlled by your wiring, your personality. You can, though, make a choice between your tendency and the pattern and your action. So what I did was I said, okay, the trigger for me now is when I start to try and argue with a group of people, it's usually because I'm on to stage two, 
So what I do then is go, I don't want that to be the pattern of behavior that others see in me. So I look for who is the most um, vulnerable, the person who's most looking insecure, the person who's struggling most in the room and doesn't enjoy that kind of social interaction. And I go and I work with them and I try and bring all of my knowledge, skills and expertise to help them feel incredibly special and at the center of attention. And, uh, and I suspect the people listening, Jeremy, would be fascinated to know that's how you and I met. Yeah, that was a nice setup. <laughs> it's not true, but sadly, sadly the other story is true and is the best example I can give you of going, you don't have to be defined by your tendencies, but you have to be intentional and you have to develop a plan because otherwise you'll just simply default to old patterns of behavior. Have you got any stories that make you look small, Jeremy, or you just... No, no, all mine are... Uh, no, I, don't, I don't really have any issues, no leadership issues uh, in, in particular. No, actually, this last week, um, Christmas, this, you know, this past December, it hit me at end of year review that we have um, a team uh, of 50-plus associates around the, the, the globe, and I realized that my tendency sometimes, if I don't feel momentum, then I... Uh, then I have a pattern that creates. I basically start um, pinging people looking for updates, almost like transactional updates. Hey, how's it going? What's going on? What's going on this week? What are you, what are you doing? And I'm basically looking for momentum to overcome my insecurity that things aren't moving or not moving. There. And it's just an old habit. It's probably an old um, sales habit. And what I realized though, is that, that my pattern, every time that happens, I, I created this action of transaction asking it led to the consequences of the conversations with my with our associates being very transactional. So I'd pick up the phone and I'd call Joe or I'd call Mark or I'd call someone, hey, what's happening? How's it going? They would immediately get, go into to sharing details about um, activity. And it, I, I realized that my reality was I was creating a transactional culture in what I was asking. So I knew that about myself going, oh my goodness, I'm doing this, aren't I? So um, I had to figure out how am I going to lead myself here. So my, I had to change my pattern. And I think that's the biggest point. It's like if you're going to play this game, you actually have to be willing to, to know yourself, which is not fun for a lot of people because they're going to get in and see a lot of junk and a lot of pain and frustration they cause people. Then they, they get to the point. So if you're listening here, then you have to actually deliberately want to do this, and then you have to decide to lead yourself. And so in my case, I'm like, I'm going to lead myself here. I'm going to stop this pattern. So I, what I did is Mike Opadal, who's our managing partner, he, um, I said, Mike, I'm going to get a report from you every Friday. I just want to, I want to update from you. I'm not going to get it from everyone else. So when I talk to people, I'm going to legitimately ask them, how are you doing? No, don't get into the transaction. I want to know how are you. So I'm going back to relationship with our associates. And it's great because I'm getting the reports from Mike without me having to bother everyone from a transaction perspective. So that's a very recent uh, usage of our own tool. That's great. And I think, um, I think for, for both of us, I mean, any of, the, any of you who've been around Giant, engaged with our content, uh, people always say, this is amazing and practical. And I think that this self-awareness piece, I would say almost everything that we've created for leaders to use in their own lives and with their teams, has largely come out of our own self-awareness of our own failure 
and the kind of things we've got wrong. So we always joke and say, um, if you're wise, you'll at least make different mistakes from the ones we've made. And probably this idea of being ruthlessly committed to um, knowing yourself, really know yourself, know your tendencies, own them. And if you're not sure, just ask some of your close friends. You know, say, so what are the tendencies and patterns that undermine my influence? If you were going to be my coach, what one or two things would you encourage me to work on? And depending on how confrontational you are and how argumentative, you may have to ask a couple of times because people sometimes don't want to be shot. But if you persist and really just say, look, I want to grow, I want to know what it's like to be on the other side of me, you'll find that people see things that you don't always see. We, we often use the phrase, the broccoli in your teeth. You know, so when you go to the bathroom, whatever it is, in the middle of a meal, and you see that you've got a tree hanging out the right side of your mouth, and you go, why did no one tell me this? Um, but actually what we're doing with friends is committing to say, hey, do you know, you've got something stuck in your teeth, and I want to help you get it out, rather than you be walking around with it without realizing it's there. So is this a good time to bring up that you have something in your teeth? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we're watching on video, um, video cool. call here. Uh, but the, the point that Steve's making is that these tools and this language, um, we've, we've created them like a mirror. They're really meant for you to, to be able to see yourself. And the, the great part about it is by showing you um, a mirror and showing you um, these tools and, and this language, is it's actually objective, not subjective. Because I'm not judging you. I'm basically, we're giving you the chance to look in a mirror and see the broccoli energy. And that's really uh, what, what this is about. So. Uh, the, the other thought here is that um, we we work with a construct of the core of a leader is a combination of IQ, uh, it's a combination of emotional intelligence or EQ, and it's a combination of what we've created as PQ, personality quotient, self-awareness, truly knowing yourself. So as we talk with you all and we share with each of you, uh, we're, we're asking you to look at yourself from your IQ from your emotional intelligence and from your personality and your wiring, the, the self-awareness. So this next next topic is really from an emotional intelligence standpoint. So this is, a, this is a way that you can practice knowing yourself to lead yourself. So picture yourself going into a social setting and you're in a social scene and there's all these people buzzing around and everyone's got a drink in their hand, they've got, uh, they're talking to each other um, and they're, they're just the chit-chat that goes on in that social construct. Now, some of you are like, you're already fired up because you can picture yourself with a Jimmy Buffett you know, shirt on and a, a, you know, you're already singing songs and you love that atmosphere. Others of you are like, oh, I hate the social chit-chat. I, I hate that social scene where you're talking about sports and weather and vacations and kids and those, those types of things. So, but when you walk into that room, What's your natural tendency? How do you, are you, do you know yourself and you're leading yourself? When you walk in, do you find that you talk primarily about yourself or you, you get to the place where you have a conversation and all of a sudden it circles back around you? So share, Steve, share the boomerang effect and what that, that is. Yes, this was another one of my own tendencies that we uh, converted into a, a tool where basically what happens is this, is you listen to somebody and the person you're talking with is, is talking about something you're actually really interested in. And what you do is you hear what they've said 
you kind of engage with it in your mind, you're desperate to join the conversation, but what happens is what comes out of your mouth, rather than actually asking them to unpack more of what they've said, as effectively being, yeah, that reminds me of me, or that reminds me of this circumstance. Well, if you caught a fish that big, that reminds me of when I was fishing and I caught a huge fish. So what happens is the conversation always ends up being back about you because in the end, whatever the other person says, you use it as a stimulus to talk about you. And what you'll find is that kind of um, axiom we use called to be interested before being interesting. So many of us, even when we think we're doing active listening, still end up bringing the conversation to be back about us, our agenda, our achievement, our experience, because we are almost desperate to be interesting to the other person rather than taking the time to really draw out of them and be interested in going deeper with them. So you've got personality types that really play into this. Because mm. there's certain personality types that have a, a focus on themselves or love to talk to themselves, and I'm, I'm one of them. I happen to be an ENFP, and uh, I love to talk, and I love to one-up people. I don't mean to. It just happens because I've had a lot of stories, and I love to tell stories. And so sometimes someone will say, yeah, I did this, and then I drop a bigger story right on top of it. And so what happens is it basically squashes them. So I've had to really, really work on increasing my influence with people by focusing on being interested. And so here's some real practical ways that I've, I've done it. And I also teach this, we teach this in the Five Gears, one of our, our books, um, on how to actually establish influence, especially if you're shy or maybe a bit arrogant. Uh, and the whole idea of being interested is being curious. So uh, a really uh, interesting way to do it. Let me practice with you, Steve. So um, if, I'm in, if we're walking in and we've never met each other and I see you um, in your pastel colors, and no, I'm joking, but if I see you in a room and I walk in, I go, uh, hey, Steve, Jeremy, you know, good to meet you, all the pleasantries. What I naturally would do to be interested is I would ask him a series of questions, not interrogating, but just basic questions. So I'll practice. So Steve, um, so, so where are you from? Where's your, where's your hometown? Uh, I live just outside London. So is that where you're born? No, I was born in a little place called Exeter in the southwest of England. Exeter. I, you know, I've heard of Exeter. Exeter City. The soccer yeah, the football club, right? Yeah, my team. Is that your team? Is that your is your main team? Well, when I grew up in Exeter, and in the, to play in the playground, you either supported Manchester United or Liverpool. And in the 70s, Liverpool were winning, so I supported them, and it's been pretty depressing ever since. So I claim <laughs> Liverpool and Exeter, one by birth and one by um, at least so I can watch something on television. So what I've done there is just establishing. I've asked a couple of the questions that allows for a potential opportunity of conversation. Now I could play that all the way out. So are you still a Liverpool fan? I might ask you a series of questions that might, again, me being interested um, before me being interesting. And so what usually happens, usually it will boomerang back to you at the appropriate time. It'll come back, not uh, in a natural way. So Steve might go, well, where are you from? So what you've done now is you've gotten, you become curious and because you've shown interest in someone else, you've shown respect. And because you've shown respect with people, your, your influence increases. And so people want to be around you. And then they go, uh, Steve might say, Jeremy, come meet my friend Joe. Joe, you meet my friend. And all of a sudden now I'm a friend. 
because I've shown interest and I've honored, honored him in such a way that he wants me to be around other people versus the people you meet and you're like, oh, yeah, good to meet you. Take care. I hope I never talk to you again. You know, you move on to the next person. Yeah. And for some of, you know, like we said before, different personalities struggle with different things. So some of you are very quiet, very shy, struggle sometimes being in that social environment. And so therefore learning how to ask good questions. Um, you know, I, I've really had to learn how not to try and dominate conversation. And I've got some little ones I use over sort of dinner tables, maybe a slightly, you know, meeting out with clients, there may be 10, 12 of us. And I, I will turn to like Jeremy and say, okay, Jeremy, I'm going to be um, your venture capitalist. I'm going to back whatever idea that you want to do for the next five years of your life. If money wasn't the issue and I would take care of all the practicalities that you feel responsible for, what are the dreams that you would most love to do if I say I back it? Now that's now I'm not going to let you go because you're probably about 20 minutes answering how to spend my money. But <laughs> having some good questions that draw out from other people what they're passionate about. So I'll often say to people as well, hey, what do you do for fun? Now, you know, sometimes you get a blank stare because they go, I work 28 hours a day if they're American. But, you know, what do you do for fun is a way almost of sometimes being interested in finding out what they're doing. So this whole idea of basically saying, rather than trying to tell you what I'm interested about, taking the time to really hear what allows other people to come alive. And I, I just think that's a really good discipline. It's still a discipline for me. But it's one of those ones where that tendency to dominate conversation, we've worked at changing that so that actually I become, yeah, I'm drawing others out so I can be interested in them first. And this is really important here. It's not about the questions that you ask. It's about the intent. What you're doing is you're showing that you're for the person, that you're interested mm -hmm. in them, not a stack question. So, Steve, where are you from? Huh, if I gave you a million dollars, what would you do with it? What do you do for fun? I mean, like all of a sudden, people are like, "Is this a? Are you a robot? Is this mechanical? <laughs> this is that is, what I sound like? Are you no, trying to give a self-awareness no, no, no. lesson?" No, you're you're great. I'm saying for those listening, it's not okay. about the questions alone. It's about what Steve was saying. What I was saying was like, you're actually interested. You're curious mm -hmm. at people, and by showing them that curiosity, it actually creates your influence. It's a it's a path for influence. See, I, we believe that influence is nothing more than the culmination of small things. So it's the small meeting and the, the question and the way you communicated and the way you treated. All of a sudden, over time, that becomes your reputation. So reputation is a culmination of small things that you do that build your influence or not. So this, this concept of knowing yourself to lead yourself is really, really important because this isn't just soft skill stuff. This is like what makes your reputation. And what gives you the opportunity to get invited places, to, to be other people wanting to be around you. Uh, it could lead to uh, business opportunities. It could lead to uh, deep friendships. But it also leads to your own satisfaction and excitement because you know that you added value in people's lives and, and you know, people look at you favorably. So, so let's get into the last topic, Steve. Um, inhibition versus prohibition. Uh, this topic is also kind of a, uh, a power of self-awareness. And this one I found fascinating. I've been speaking to a lot of um, rural locations and a lot of uh, uh, places that 
maybe feel insecure to other cities. They're smaller cities feeling insecure to like New York or DC or other, you know, Atlanta. So what what's happened is I found that this concept of inhibition versus prohibition is a really important topic. So Steve, let me ask you a definition of prohibition. When I say prohibition, what do you think of? Um, somebody prohibits me from doing something. All right, so give an example uh, of, of that prohibition, whether it's you individually or whether it's been in society. So I'm driving along in my car, which would really, really like to go super fast, but there is a nasty sign that has 30 in it with a red circle around it, and that apparently means I'm prohibited from driving at the speed I would like to drive. <laughs> Great, yep. And then if you take that all the way to culture in the 1920s in America, there was a prohibition on alcohol, right? And the whole entire nation was prohibited from alcohol sales, which created an undermarket or <laughs> a black market. Uh, but, but the whole idea of someone telling you you can't, that's mm -hmm. prohibition. So yep. what's inhibition? Um, it's probably where I'm telling myself I can't assuming that someone else is actually saying it, but really it's my internal voice inhibiting me from um, making progress. So do you have an example of inhibition, putting you on the spot here? Or have you seen Gosh. it in other leaders that we've worked with? I've seen it a lot in other people. I think um, inhibition, I'm trying to think of an inhibition I've dealt with. I grew up in a, a quite a, a rural, you know, or in the middle of nowhere. I didn't really have any significant kind of really ambitious people in my life or um, role models who were hugely successful. I mean, it was an incredibly loving upbringing, but nobody ever left Exeter. I'm the first person who's been to college. I'm the first person who's traveled the world. So I think one of the inhibitions I have was that somehow it was never right to be ambitious and it was never right to have big vision. And strange, because my character, my nature is actually wired for that sort of thing, but it took me quite a long time to realize that probably I'd put an inhibition on what was possible to achieve from background, from education, whatever it might be, rather than actually going, do you know, I don't think there's anything there, there's no prohibition, it's probably me choosing not to live into that. And I think Giant's been part of the, you know, getting to know you has been part of that process, that you've been a great liberator for me, and you're always dreaming to change the world. And I've almost got caught up in it and go, yeah, this is awesome. So uh, you, you've been a liberator in that inhibition, I would say. Well, so we have a, uh, in our, one of our values is heroic goals. And it has a little axiom that we use. It says, who says you can't? <laughs> and I think that's the most interesting part. So you said that perfectly, Steve. But the, the prohibition is when some, someone tells you you can't. Inhibition is when you tell yourself you can't. What's interesting is that though you think others have told you that you can't. So this whole idea of some of you listening right now uh, might have this massive breakthrough and this massive opportunity, but you're inhibited because you well, it's not right, or you know I don't my it's my family wouldn't let me or this or that, and you know to be fair, um, there's some people on American Idol, for instance, that I watch on these talent shows. I'm like, please, someone prohibit them from singing. Like <laughs> they should have been prohibited from singing because they. But there's other people who can sing that just didn't, they don't know that they can or that it's right to. So whatever your dream is, whatever the vision is, whatever, it's almost let, let the vision um, be, breathe. Let the vision have enough um, 
uh, compelling uh, pieces to it so it actually flourishes. But what I found and what we've continued to see is that most people continue to be inhibited. And so this whole idea of inhibition is it comes from your upbringing, sometimes it's your personality, uh, sometimes it's your um, the nurture, the, the, what you've, people who poured into you who maybe kept you down uh, or, or squashed dreams in the past. And so to know yourself, to lead yourself, is almost to see these patterns and these tendencies and to see how much of your actions are controlled by your inhibition. And you start changing that, you start leading yourself there, and wow, watch out, watch your influence grow dramatically. I think, you know, we, we found, I mean, we, we work quite a lot on helping people understand how were they made to be at their best? What is their nature? What are they naturally good at? It's amazing how many people don't believe that they're actually good leaders or they struggle with the mantle of leadership. Yet there are some people who automatically assume that they should be the leader by wiring. And one of the things that we do a lot at Giant is, is trying to, in many ways, help those who are not always um, encouraged or that in, inhibit themselves is to believe that actually every one of you can actually lead people. We just lead in different ways. And one of the things we do, I think, is we look at models of what the leaders that are celebrated in the culture or the big, larger-than-life characters, and what we do is we go, well, I'm not like them, so therefore I don't think I can lead with that influence. I think our experience, Jez, has been that you know, we've seen people with all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of personalities, when they lead in their own identity and when they almost, as it were, give themselves the, the confidence to believe they can, it's amazing what happens. So... You know, that's, that's something we've got coming up soon, isn't it, with voices? Yeah, actually, absolutely. In our next episode, actually, we're going to be talking about the five voices and really specifically to, to know yourself, to know what it sounds like to be on the other side of you, to know what your tendencies are, and to really start leading yourself with some really practical tools. So I'm excited about that next one. But to, to your point, Steve, um, all of these, everything we're, we're saying here is um, to, meant to be very, very practical. So a couple of ideas for you to think about would be maybe make a list of the things that you're prohibited from doing. I don't mean like um, the speed limit and those kind of things, but is there any prohibition someone's telling you you can't, okay? Then make another list of things that you're telling yourself that you can't, uh, whether it's, well, I could never do that, or I could never get the funding. I hear that a lot. It's so funny. Uh, or um, I, you know, I wish someone would just donate money for me to me so I could do this dream, versus going after and 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 getting the funding. Or um, yeah, I don't know if I'm really qualified for that job. Or look at those things and go, is that prohibition or inhibition? And if it's inhibition, then really start to know yourself. Start looking at your tendencies and patterns of how you put yourself down and how you uh, discredit yourself and. Um, at that point, I'd say it's about inflow. You need the right inflow. You need people who are bringing the right input into your life, whether it's the Liberator podcast, whether it's other podcasts or uh, you know, authors, speakers, friends, coaches, people in your life that are, that are bringing life, not stealing life. So to know yourself, to lead yourself, is really a significant piece of the power of self-awareness. And if you want to learn how to, to increase your influence with emotional intelligence, then in, be interested before being interesting. If you want to learn how to lead yourself, then understand your inhibition versus prohibition and begin to deal with it. And the process is the process of liberation because you can't give what you don't possess. 
And what we're doing is helping you get to the point in this concept in the Liberator podcast and what we do with Giant and in our books, The Five Gears, The Upcoming Five Voices. We're giving you common language that is with practical tools to help you um, transform yourself and lead yourself in a way that's significant. That's great. And in terms of <clears throat> final thing from me, we, we managed, we're so determined that you can know yourself and that you can really understand what that means is we keep uploading uh, free courses at the moment. And uh, I, we just uploaded another one called Discover Your True Personality, but get to the, the real know yourself. Um, and you can find that, just go to the website, which is giantworldwide.com, and there's a tab which will take you to courses. So Discovering Your True Personality is free. It's a gift from us to you. Um, it's really us sharing the best we have of helping you understand why you're wired the way you are and how that all plays out together. And if you're interested in uh, <clears throat> the five voices, you can go to thefivevoices.com. That's what we're going to be talking about next. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll see that um, as well. So that'll be our next episode. And that book comes out March 14th. And we've got some really interesting, um, really team bundles. It's really a team concept that that radically affects the way that teams communicate, that teams lead, and that teams multiply. And so I think you'll find a lot there. Uh, and then the last thing I would have is uh, some of you, and we've gotten this uh, here in, in the past, have been interested in Giant. Uh, we're always looking for associates and people who want to who do what we do, who want to liberate, who want to fight for the highest possible good in the lives of those they lead, who want to serve whether they're, they're teams or they actually want to do this for, as a living. And so we're looking for associates in certain parts of the country. When you look at Texas, parts of the West Coast, uh, Chicago, uh, the Northeast, there's a number of cities that we still have yet to uh, uh, ha have associates in, and not only there but also globally. So uh, check us out at giantworldwide.com. You can communicate and connect with us there. Uh, but if you're interested, there's more information um, to be found there. Steve, last final thoughts from you? No, I'm good. I'll let you have the final word, Joe. It's great to speak to you all, though, and always fun to connect. So if you want to be a liberator, I've mentioned this, you've heard it, a liberator fights for the highest possible good in the lives of those they lead. They know how to calibrate high support and high challenge to make others effective. So our job, really, we're just guides. We're Sherpas. It's all we do. We encourage people. Uh, there, there's a lot of things that help, help them become more healthy. We build up uh, things in people, and that's what a liberator does. So we would ask for you to think about uh, leading in this level and liberating those that, that you lead. But again, you can't give what you don't possess, so know yourself to lead yourself. Thanks so much for being with us today, and we hope you enjoyed it. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. That concludes today's episode of The Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. You can find out more information about us online at giantworldwide.com.